But I think it goes a bit deeper than that. It's not only a form of mental and physical trauma. I have to think it's a form of spiritual trauma, too. Because who else watches the news and then ends up asking themselves all kinds of questions they would rather not ask? What kind of God would allow this? Are people really capable of that? Are things getting worse? Is there no hope for anything different? I thought the world was supposed to be a good place. I don't want to answer those questions because I'm a bit scared of those questions based on the kind of news that I see. That's heavy stuff to ask ourselves. I mean, no wonder we check out. No wonder we just like the guy in the cartoon, we disengage, we detach, and we get some distance because it's just too much to put ourselves through. So as I've thought and felt and rumbled with that, and as I've seen you feeling and thinking and rumbling with that, the question I keep coming back to, especially as a person of faith and spirituality, is this. What do we do with that? How do we hold the news? It's a good question. I think it's worth asking, especially as people who are trying to go deeper into that life that we're talking about. And so this morning, I want, I want to take some time with you and ask, how do we hold the news? What do we do with it? And to answer that question, we're going to talk about going in and out. We're going to talk about the things Sunya said, and then we'll talk about it's now two things, not three things. Are you with me? Sounds good? Awesome. Thank you. So once, a long, long, long time ago, there was this woman who spent all of her life living as a hermit. She spent all her days out in the mountains, devotely attending to her soul. Day in and day out, she would attend to her soul. She'd go inward and listen. But one day, for whatever reason, she had to go into the big city for the first time in decades. And she walked around, she gazed up at the massive buildings, she heard the traffic zip by, she saw the people rush around, and she felt the buzz of it all. And feeling so overwhelmed by the world around her, she saw a church and she ran into it for refuge. But as she entered into the sanctuary, she found it wasn't any different than the world outside. People were talking and eating and singing and working and learning, dancing. And so feeling so frustrated, she found the priest and she went up to the priest and demanded, what are you doing to answer Jesus' call to go into ourselves and listen to our souls? And the priest, she stopped what she was doing and turned to the woman and asked, what are you doing to answer Jesus' call to go out into the world and be a part of it? Now, I don't know why this is exactly, but here's the thing I think we've forgotten about this whole spirituality thing that we're doing here. When it comes to being spiritual, 
when it comes to that deep and meaningful life, that life that hums with reverence, it's not just about going into our interiors. It's not just about connecting with our souls. When it comes to being spiritual, it's also about going into our exteriors. It's also about connecting with the world around us. To be spiritual is to go in and go out. It's to connect with both the worlds within us and outside of us. It's to be at work in here and out there. And now for years I've been trying to find the most beautiful, perfect, neat and tidy definition of spirituality, but I haven't found it quite yet. But this is the one that's been working for me so far. Spirituality is the awareness that we are all intimately connected and a part of something bigger than ourselves. Call that God, universe, source, spirit, energy, it doesn't matter. And because we are connected and a part of that something bigger than ourselves, we are therefore all one and all share a common dignity, value, and sense of belonging. To be spiritual is to nurture that connection within us and to allow that oneness to shape how we see, live, and move. Spirituality isn't a practice. It's this profound way of understanding ourselves and the world around us. It's a very Jesus-y definition, by the way. I mean, this is what's underneath everything he does and everything the guy teaches. This is where that notion of the incarnation takes us. It's a spirituality that understands that God is at work in here and out there. And to be a part of God is to be a part of God here and there. Are you with me so far? So if this is our spirituality... If we can get down with this understanding that spirit, to be spiritual is to go in and to go out. Let's see where this takes us. Let's take this idea for a walk. If we are all one, if we are all in this together, how does this shape our relationship with creation and one another? It's got to mean that we're all responsible for one another. It means what happens to me happens to you. It means what happens to you happens to me. And what happens to them happens to us. And if that's true, if we are all responsible for one another, what does that tell us? Well, as my friend Sunya would say, it tells us that distance is a privilege. We can't be responsible for others and be in relationship with them if there's distance between us. Right? So if distance is a privilege... What's that tell us about our spirituality, especially the part of our spirituality that exists out there? 
it tells us we can't be spiritual from a distance. It tells us we can't have that deep and meaningful life if we're disengaged, detached, and at a distance from the world around us. It tells us that to be spiritual, to access that deep and meaningful life, we must be engaged, we must be attached, and we must be near the world around us. So the question, of course, how do we practice that? What are some kinds of things that we can do, experience, I don't know, maybe watch or read, that can help us be those kinds of people and draw us deeper into that life? Well, that takes us back to this guy. Because the thing I keep coming back to when I think about the news... is as much as it may burn us out, as high as the risk is for trauma, as much as we we may want to opt out, turn it off, and get away from it, maybe we can't. Maybe opting out isn't an option. Because for better or for worse, one of the ways that we can be near the world around us One of the ways that, as one of my teachers says, we can learn to breathe together is through watching and reading the news. For better or for worse, the news is how we can know what kind of lives we need to be living. So if the news can be a tool, um, how do we not turn into this guy? How do we not just go home and watch Netflix or the History Channel and ignore the world around us? How do we not delete the app on our phone? How do we become a bit more resilient with the news? How do we curb that anxiety and overload? A couple thoughts out of the many things that we could say, but I want to give you two two things to take with you to try to help you be those kinds of people who are engaged, attached, and near. And so first, I don't have a picture of it up there, but um, currently at this exact moment, on our ground floor of our house and of the main floor of our house are two gigantic holes because we've had plumbing issues. Our radiant floor is leaking. Yeah, it's been a little stressful. Uh, but the plumber came in, he dug it all up, he fixed it. But now as the whatever it is that's wet dries, we've got these two big holes in our floor. And somehow I started talking to the plumber about this, because he knows what I do for a living, and he was like, what are you preaching about? So I told him. It's an occupational hazard, I guess. And as soon as I told him I'm preaching about the news, I didn't even tell him where it was going. And he was like, oh, I don't watch that anymore. You know why? And he doesn't talk like this at all. I don't know why I'm doing this tone. (laughs) I said, you know why? Because it's always the same thing day after day after day. I already know it already because I saw it yesterday. 
what spiritual condition is he suffering from? Yeah, and what do we call that in the world of church? We call it despair. Despair is that conviction that tomorrow will be just like today. It's that spiritual condition of feeling like things will never, ever, ever get better. Anyone else hear that from the news? Yeah, me too. The truth we often hear from the news that we get is the world is spiraling out of control. That it's one step away from destruction. The climate's done. The economy is crashing. War is coming. Famine is looming. Hate is rising. The end is near. I mean, no wonder we turn it off. We don't like that truth. We don't like the idea that despair is a permanent condition. I wonder what our faith would say to that. If that's the truth we get from the news, what is the truth that we get from our faith? What would our tradition say to that? Our tradition would tell us that the worst thing is never the last thing. It would tell us that death is not the end, that resurrection happens. It would tell us that we are actually capable of good and beautiful things, not just terrible and destructive things. Our faith would say, as Dr. King said, the universe isn't bent towards destruction, but it's bent towards justice. It's bent towards wholeness, towards peace. The truth our faith offers is a very different truth than the truth we get from the news. It's the truth that our world has the potential, has the ability, the capacity to be a place where everyone belongs, where everyone has enough, and everyone has a place. One of the things that we can do when we watch the news is live in between the juxtaposition of those two truths. We can hear it through the filter of our truth, not their truth. And we can choose in the midst of all that despair that we're getting, we can choose to do something pretty ridiculous and scandalous. We can choose to have hope. Which takes us into the second thing. What do we know about hope? Hope is a prayer with an action plan. Prayer is not, hope is not just wishful thinking but it's active, it's sweaty, it's work. Watching the news can let us actually know where we need to go and have hope. It can let us know what our action plan needs to be. Instead of feeling defeated by it, we can watch and say, ah, I know the kind of life that I need to live. People are being discriminated against. Ah, I know who I can stand up for. Oh, the environment is on fire. I know what kind of advocacy and stuff I need to do in my house. Oh, my neighborhood is extremely poor and getting worse. 
I know how I can love my neighbor. We can have hope by being active. We can watch it and get a sense of where we need to steward our energies, of where we need to protest, resist, learn, speak up, and move. So let's end with this. Yeah, that'll be fun. With what you see going on in the news right now, coronavirus, pipeline protests, escalating racism, economy crashing, instead of leaving here defeated by it all and succumbing to despair, how can we leave here hopeful? How can we leave here with an action plan? I can't answer those questions for you. These are only ones that you can answer. But think of the thing that's in your mind, the thing that's renting out a lot of space within you, this thing that you're hearing a lot about. And take a minute to figure out what your action plan is going to be. What's the hope and what's the plan? And try to be intentional this week about going out and trying to make a difference in this world, knowing that our world can be different and that a new kind of world is possible. Because that's our work. In order to be spiritual people, we need to know what's going on so we know where to direct our energy. So as you head out into this week, knowing that you have the ability to make the difference and we can have hope for something else, May you go in peace. May you go in love. May you go and do it loudly. And may you come out on the other side in a brand new world, a world that's full of hope, joy, peace, and love. Grace and peace be with you.